accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Statistical Probabilities. The ninth episode of the sixth season aired on November 24th, 1997. Written by, or teleplay goes to Renee Echeverria. Story credit goes to Pam Pietraforte and directed by Anson Williams. In this episode, Bashir helps a group of eccentric fellow genetically engineered humans try to make a useful contribution to the Federation. The Dominion offers to sign a truce with the Federation and... I've run some statistical analysis, and it seems that the next voice you're going to hear is that of Clay. Clay, how are you? Uh, good. My analysis uh, was perfect. Mm, <laughs> yes. Mm, you see, you see, you see, you see, you mm, see. Mm, mm, yes, mm. if you do this, mm, and if you've, if you've just watched 12 Monkeys a few times, then some things actually, you know, they make an impression on you, and you use them in your own work, you know? And then you just got to keep everything together. You got to put it out. You got to put it out into the world. You got to take Brad Pitt's performance, and you got to go, man, I can do that. And then you just put it out there, you know? He, uh, he said he based that performance on a man who has drank 40 cups of coffee, which I think is the uh, the PG-rated way of saying comma, that. <laughs> comma, who was me? <laughs> I, of- I based it on someone who drank 40 cups of coffee. I won't say who, but he lives in my house, and uh, he is me. There's a... Um- We'll get into it. It's 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 interesting, I think. But my uh, my analysis was dead on. I guess we're going to be talking about statistical probabilities, which I'm going to stumble over uh, numerous times during this podcast. So let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. And we're going to come back and break it down. It is not a laughing matter. If people like them are allowed to compete freely, then parents would feel pressure to have their children enhanced so they could keep up. That's precisely what prompted the ban on DNA resequencing in the first place. Giving them a chance to contribute doesn't necessarily mean sanctioning what was done to them. They didn't ask to have their DNA tampered with. They were only children. And why should they be excluded just because their parents broke the law? You're right. It's not quite fair. But even so, it seemed like a good way to discourage genetic tampering. Besides, it's not as if we're trying to exclude them from anything. We're just talking about limiting what they're allowed to do it is a very uh derivative brad pitt ripoff 12 monkeys type idea uh clay is is that performance the worst part of this episode um is it even bad i would i it's not bad it's just tiring it's you know tiring. It's like I, got, every- I got real annoyed by his sort of mouth clipping it's, it's like one yeah. of those, if you if he had toned if he had pulled back the sort of like mm, 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 if he had pulled back on that by like 50 percent, i think i would have been okay with it i I also think that that character is supposed to be more scary than this actor comes across. I, yeah. I think he's supposed to be like, he, you know, when he grabs people and holds like a phaser or a knife to people's heads or he cuts people, I think he's supposed to be kind of an intimidating character that you mm. are scared of and he does not come across that way. Yeah, it's just, it's like a room full of, of the guy from Shine and uh, one really aggressive aunt. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, it's funny. I, I think, I, I it would have been interesting if instead of going, um, you know, cuckoo's nest with it, if if he had played it more like a kind of straight. Because wouldn't that have been really interesting to have the ones who were kind of nuts and then him who is seems totally sane? Right. 
what what you know, would his, what would his trait be that made him locked up? Then he he would need to have some kind of downside to his character. I, I suppose the violence, the prone to violence, would be the thing about. Uh, about yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's it is definitely a a uh, that that's a lot more heavy than what they what they decided to do with it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very and it's um, not quite as uh, open to um, fun. Right, you know, uh, unless he had played it, unless he had played it like an over-the-top supervillain or something, that could have been kind of fun too. Do Do you think that this is a fun episode? Uh it has its moments. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> when you get down to what they're talking about, no. Yeah, um, that's but what I, I do imagine. think. I do think that those characters bring uh, a de- a good amount of levity with them. Like I, I was when it started. I first I, um, I got worried because. A, the performance was tiring after like the first 30 seconds and B, I wasn't sure I, I got, I, I was less worried when I saw um, Jeffrey Combs name in the credits yep. because I thought this was going to be another, like, let's just take a break from the war and just see what, see what it's like when uh, Bashir meets some of his uh, less than fortunate friends, you know? Yeah. Um, But they ended up being able to do both things really nicely, actually. I thought I thought I think so. I um, I've been kind of leading you with this. I I think this is a great episode. Um, yeah, me too. I think that it is the first time in a long time. I think that the show really has like something interesting to say. Um, not not that the war arc episodes have been they were interesting and they had things to say. This one felt like a very a very Star Trekky way to approach something about things to say, and it actually reminds me a lot of Moneyball, the Brad Pitt movie. Um, mm-hmm. which is my favorite a different Brad Pitt performance. Yeah, different Brad Pitt, not just because I don't know of that. if you, I don't know if people out there have seen Moneyball. He actually does the same performance he did in <laughs> Twelve Monkeys, but he's talking about baseball statistics. Yeah, it, that's the reason that people didn't really buy into him. It, it, it's not the um, this is not like a one to one relationship with Moneyball, but I think that what I like about Moneyball and why it's my favorite sports movie is because it's not really about baseball at all. It's yeah. about like. The difficulty it doesn't have Kevin Costner in it, right? It, 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 and um, Susan Sarandon is not naked in the tub. Uh, it doesn't have Moneyball is about uh, changing institutions and the way people think and the difficulty that comes along with that. Even if you have mm-hmm. a superior idea to what they're doing, and I don't know, I, th- I think this episode has like a lot of stuff that I just personally find interesting, and I think that they do everything pretty well. Uh, I think that it. If I, if I have one problem with it, it's the problem that because it's a 45-minute episode of TV, it feels a little bit small for the scope that they're trying to get yeah. across. Mm-hmm. But like all things considered, I think that it's really sort of a great approach to, um, I just wrote down, it's like AI run amok, basically. It's got Laplace's mm-hmm. demon, it's got genetic engineering, and the reason why, like they, they expand on why genetic engineering is a bad idea in a way that they didn't in the episode that they revealed that Bashir had been genetically engineered. And... I don't know. It's interesting. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, um, I thought when I, when I still had my, uh, skeptical glasses on my skepticals, if you will, um, I, w- uh, when they went into the scene where they're all sitting around at dinner, I was like, oh, this is a really good scene. I'm, I'm, it's too bad. It's going to probably be the high point in an episode. That's just kind of goofy and stupid. <laughs> uh, but that was, it ended up being that ended up being more of the tone of the entire episode, which I found very refreshing. I thought it was really well done. Um, You're talking yeah, about the scene were, where the, the crew members are sitting around in that uh, that room 
uh, having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And Bashir's just kind of talking about his experiences, and, and O'Brien and 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 Worf are being uh, charmingly prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should have thrown in Worf's face about why, why are you allowed in here, Worf? Well, yeah, we, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was surprised that Bashir just didn't throw it right back at Worf and be like, "Dude, look who's talking here." <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought everything uh, was done pretty well. It, it ended up being a much more interesting concept than I expected. And, uh, yeah, the, um, the, the only thing that I, I wished is I, I wish there was a bit more pushback on Bashir as far as, uh, whether or not his, their, their statistics w- would be accurate. Cause they've, you know, they, they did this like four dimensional chess kind of stuff at the beginning where the, he gives the five different tablets to, 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 um, Cisco. Yeah. Overwhelming with information. Yeah, but no one ever really push, pushes back when they literally are predicting the future for the next, like, 200 years. Yep. Um, I guess the scene with Quark is probably the closest you come to that, and I thought that scene was great, too. But, yeah, no, no one ever really, like, Cisco gets, Cisco gets so into it with Bashir about, like, we're going to go down fighting and blah, 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 blah. But he never says... Uh, anything to the effect of of what the end of the episode ends up being which is like you never know what the the actions of a single person could do to change the course of history or something like that right yeah um which seems like the more cisco way to handle that like i i feel like he would be more come at it from that angle than we're just gonna fight till everybody dies yeah I think Bashir brings up it's a it's a pride thing, which I could yeah. I could maybe understand it being a pride thing for Cisco, but I would agree with you. It seems that Cisco would have that point of view um, more readily. Although I suppose this is supposed to be like his initial reaction to it, and in the scene before that, they've shown that he doesn't really have the patience for the analysis that Bashir True. is trying to give him. So I, I think his emotional response is okay. What what what? But I, at the same time, though, like it, there's a difference between I think anyway. There's a difference between a statistical analysis that's move that's working, f- you know, 10, 15 moves out and literally telling the future, you know, like, I, I feel like you could, Cisco could emotionally react and be like, you're not just talking about, you're not just talking about strategic moves. You're literally predicting the next 200 years of, of human future, which so, is, I think there's a little bit more room for error there. Sure. So one reason I like this episode and this will tie into what you're saying. I'm just going to read something real quickly. There's this uh, philosophical idea called Laplace's demon. And Mm. uh, I'm going to read it here. He wrote this in 1814. We may regard the present state of the universe as the effect of its past and the cause of its future. An intellect, which at a certain moment would know all the forces that are sent in nature in motion and all the positions of all items of which nature is composed. If this intellect were also vast enough to submit this data to analysis, it would embrace in a single formula the movements of the greatest bodies of the universe and those with the tiniest atom. For such an intellect, nothing would be uncertain. The future would be just like the past, and the present would be before its eyes. So what he's basically saying saying is that uh, if if there was a, a, and he calls it a demon, if there was some demon Mm -hmm. that knew every bit of information at the present moment, and you, uh, because the universe is like driven by the laws of physics, if you were able to analyze that data, you would be able to tell where the future goes at that point. Mm-hmm. So there is no difference between the present and the future for something that knows everything. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I think that that's what this is, what this episode is kind of saying or it's hinting at is, are these people intelligent to get to that point where their analysis is correct? Obviously, the show can't do that kind of analysis for you. And, you know, it's kind of, um, if there's a complaint about like showing the analysis, I don't think that that's really the way that the show should have gone. There is no way to do what they're doing here. But right. I, I think it leaves it open-ended enough of, are they intelligent enough where they can basically see the future. They are like the precogs from mm-hmm. uh, that Tom Cruise movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. You you would kind of disagree. I think that they aren't implied one hundred percent that way. But what they try to do is they try to show that by their analysis of the Demar speech, where they're able to tell everything from uh, Demar's true intentions just by watching him give a propaganda speech. Yeah, and I, I think they do a pretty good job. It's not like the show focuses on whether or not this mystery can be solved, but. One of the reasons I really like it is because they are playing with that Laplace's demon idea, which I, which is something I personally find very interesting. It's just like, if you knew all the information currently, you should be able to predict the future with pretty good accuracy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm not saying that their prediction is wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that, like, as far as the character of Cisco goes, I feel like someone, uh, I, as far as Cisco goes, I think he should have, but I think someone should have pushed back. I mean, they can... They can present the the show. The writers can present this these characters as being correct. If they if the intention is to imply that they can predict the future, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I, I'm th- as far as like how you how that knowledge gets relayed to the other members of the cast, the other characters. I feel like there's someone who's got to push back, or like O'Brien, even you know, someone who is not operating on that level, who can. I. I assume would would push back against this idea that they can literally predict the future, even if that's what they can do. I, I, I feel they I feel they push back against it without overtly saying that they disagree with the idea. Like o- O'Brien's pushback is to say, uh, you're getting too full of yourself. Like I'm just a stupid guy, but even like I'm just a stupid guy, but I still would rather try than just give up at this point. Mm-hmm. Like the the counter argument to their analysis seems to rely on the fact of like the analysis is portrayed as like cold computer analysis mm-hmm. and the human mm-hmm. reaction is to always try to fight. And it's like, you're not going to betray billions of people and make them give up their freedom. As Cisco says, just because of some analysis seems to point that way. Like who, well, you know, you know what I, what I found interesting about the episode, especially um, the way that it ended, it actually reminded me of the prisoner episode, the general. You want to uh, remind people of which one that is? That's a computer yeah, one, it's, isn't it? It's yeah, it's uh, in the the village has has uh, um, introduced this this super hyper fast learning mechanism, um, and it all it all funnels back to this thing called the general, who's in charge of it. Turns out the general is this giant supercomputer, which is hilarious to see in 1968 because <laughs> it's like a computer <laughs> that runs on like real to real stuff. That's the size of the room, but also needs like uh dot matrix printouts and shit. Yeah. It's, it spits um, out a bit of paper, like a little tiny receipts when it gives yeah. you an answer. Yeah. And, and, uh, number two who, who runs the village, uh, gets in number six's face being like, this is the future. We can literally control people. It, it is the smartest thing on the planet. It can answer any question you could possibly throw at it. it give it a question and it will answer it. And so number six, you know, gets that smug look on his face and, ambles over to the typewriter and just clicks a few keys and then he plugs the question in and the computer explodes. And <laughs> then number two is yeah. like, what's that? It's very Kirk. Kirk. Kirk always would talk to the computer into insanity. He would he would be able to destroy the logic of a computer by talking to it. Yeah, yeah. 
And so number two is freaking out and like, what did you ask you? What did you say? And number six says, I asked him a very simple question, but it's the most difficult to answer some shit like that. Uh, three, three little letters, W H Y. He just question mark. Yeah. He asked him why and, and the computer exploded. <laughs> and that, that was the kind of feeling I got from this episode. Um, this, so I, I, I really liked the ending and, uh, it, it had this element of, uh, I kind of forgot what my point was while I was explaining that episode, but it was, it had that sort of, um, I guess what I, what I was missing from it, maybe because I was watching it kind of through prisoner glasses, was this element of, sure, your computation is is advanced, more advanced than anything, but you're not considering the variables of, of X, Y, and Z, which is kind of how it ends, which is why I liked it. But I, I was expecting the more of that angle to come from, from someone else other than Bashir. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes sense that he, he does it and it's fine that he does it, but nobody else even really like considers that except kind of quark, but even he kind of like his, his backs off once Bashir loses or whatever. So here's my, here would be the question I would put to you at that point. If mm-hmm. let's say that this group's analysis does include every bit of information, right. And their analysis yeah. is correct. What is the counterpoint at that point for the human characters? Because I feel that's what the episode is saying. It's it's less about whether or not the analysis is something that can be fought back against on like a technical level. And it's more about the mm-hmm. feeling of how they feel that they're going to do that. Like it, it's the, do we want to buy into this idea that our fate is sealed just because they seem to, these incredibly intelligent people have told us that. And even if it's true, is that the way we want to live our lives? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel that well, the, the pushback is more what Cisco and O'Brien are kind of doing, which is this very emotional, like, no computer's going to tell me what to do kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they do they do ultimately push back in the way I'm talking about at the end, where Bashir says to Jack, he's like, you didn't count on the actions of, what's her name, Susan or Stella? Oh, uh, uh, Sorella? No, that's the sure. Klingon. It's something like that, yeah. Uh, Saren? Uh, whatever her name is, you, you didn't count on her Serena. giving you up, basically. Serena, Serena there yeah. you go. You didn't count on Serena and her actions in your in your grand computations or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's that sort of thing that I'm that I'm that I'm. I, I, this, I don't think it, it needs to be like everybody pushes back, but it's, I was just surprised that nobody nobody pushes back like that until the end. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are so many so many possible things going going on. Um in this computation that uh, I think it does leave, leave room at least for a theoretically, even if they're, even if the theory is wrong. Um, and I think it falls under the same category as, as the uh, no computer is going to tell me what to do. Cause uh, my, you know, the reaction of this, this computer can't possibly account for the actions of a single person in this massive computation, I think is the same kind of, uh, thing that Cisco is going after, except, you know, on a, on a nonviolent end. Yeah. What, what I think, what I think the episode is, I would agree with you. What I think the episode is saying is that, um, it has a, I would say that the episode is almost ahead of its time, but its solution is very much of the time. I think mm-hmm. where I, I think that they were really ahead of what they thought about genetic engineering. And I, I can sort of see this group as like the advent of artificial intelligence. They are artificially intelligent, but it, like not a machine yeah. learning way. Uh, but it's the, 
you know, it's the threat of what people consider to be dangerous about artificial intelligence would be like, what if this thing was so capable that it did something that you were unable to predict and it caused the downfall of humanity? Basically, right. if, if the machine thought that doing its job, wiping out humans was the best way to do its job, that becomes a very dangerous thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's what this group does. In order to save 900 billion people, they're willing to sacrifice a few billion. And it makes sense on their, their level. And I think that the, what the episode is saying is that like no, no computation can possibly handle uh, what you guys are doing and you overlook something very obvious because your hubris came to you. And that's yeah, O'Brien's yeah. point is to point out the hubris of everything that they're thinking. And I, I think that that solution is interestingly of the 90s in a way that when I watch the episode, I'm more struck by like the modern take on it, which is like, what if their idea was correct? Like, what's the answer for Starfleet at that point? Do you just right. give up or do you keep going? I, I think the episode's really good because it allows you to work all of those angles out of what they've done here. There's no sort of hard line in the sand. I think it, it, it's open to a lot of interpretation, which I think is really interesting for a Star Trek episode at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, it does It does bring up a lot of questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. In your own mind, which I mean is the mark of a, of, of a great concept, you know? Um I would have been really interested to see. It's too bad that uh, they wasted Spock on such a shitty episode on TNG because I think this would have been a really interesting episode to have Spock in. Yeah. Um, because it's what they end up doing is sort of a uh, galactic scale version of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yep. Where you end up um, having, well, do we save the lives of 900, mil- 900 billion people? by sacrificing 15 billion people. Right. Uh, and, you know, you start getting into these numbers that are just incomprehensible. Um, and I think it would have been interesting to see someone who has a more... Spock dealing with that is kind of like, he has the computational power, but he also has the human ability to to uh, temper it. Yeah, he's, he's the middleman in this argument, sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I guess that's sort of the role Bashir ends up playing, um, but it, it would it would be interesting to see someone who has we've seen dealt deal with a problem similar to this, even though on a very a much smaller scale. Uh, see how they handle it um, and and what their response is. I think I think Bashir. I, I would agree. I would like to see Spock as some sort of like advisor role in this. I think the reason Bashir works in this story is because he. Um, and the, the reason I, I'll start off with this point. The the reason that I like this turn for Bashir, that when we, when it was revealed that he was genetically altered, we were kind of both like, well, is this nest, like, this feels like something they're just yeah. throwing in. Does late in the everybody season. know this now? Is it like a common, is a common knowledge that he's uh, a mutant? Yes, it is. Okay. Cause yep. when, when they all started talking about it, I was like, Jesus Christ, man, this <laughs> word gets around. <laughs> the reason the reason I like it is because it does something similar to what Dark Page did for the TNG episode for uh, Loxana Troy, where it revealed why she is the way she is because of this child mm-hmm. death. What I, what I think it does is it the genetically engineered thing gives new perspective on why Bashir was such a arrogant, full of himself person for the first couple seasons. Like it, yeah. and it, it the the reason I think that this story works is because of that arrogance, where he he uh, the actor plays this sort of uh, arrogant nature very well, particularly when he's playing against Bashir. He's kind of joking, but he's kind of not. Like, he, he's right in the middle there. And I think that the 
The Bashir being that point allows that character to swing between the extremes in a way that I think Spock would probably have a hard time doing because Spock is more grounded in the rational than Bashir is at this point. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bashir can be swayed to the Jack group's thinking a little bit more obvious because he has he has those scenes where he's like, these are the people I can talk to. Like I've never talked to people who we have shorthand and we can like understand what the other one wants to say before they say it. And so yeah. you, you feel that he really would be sucked into their mentality in a way that Spock might not be. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that they it gave it gave his uh, genetic alteration some context and and some an environment of itself because yeah before when they when they when they did that story it was like okay yeah cool I guess he's super smart or something but that in a, it's kind of like it's kind of like having Dax be the only uh, symbiote person that you see. Cause so it's like, okay, yeah, she's got the memories of this guy and we don't really know how it works. Uh, but that's what she does. And there's no real context to how it works or, yeah. or what the character, what her struggle is in, in, in involving that element of her character. Yeah. Um, where here you have, you're, you're getting an actual, uh, expression of, of what the what's possible what's possible and also what the um, consequences are yeah, for yeah. the people who had genetic testing done on them or genetic modifications done on them and it went awry and all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. And also cause he, 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 uh, I think there was, a, there's a different way you could play this episode where he flat out just rejects them and, and uh, uh, pushes and di- tries to distance himself from them. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. Cause it was nice to see him, sort of yeah in in enjoy the company of people who are working on his level you know right even if they're a little bit uh mid-90s theatrical crazy uh, you know mm. it's the in all the medical literature there's the four diagnoses for the autistic syndrome right there's the child the evil genius the quiet one and the whore that's like the the four <laughs> ways that you can kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah i was wondering about her was, was was she supposed to be like this callback to how in the in like the 1800s, they would put women in insane asylums just because they were too horny. Yeah, <laughs> the reason that the uh, the vibrator was invented was to cure insanity. Like women just needed to get hysteria. off hysteria. Yeah, hysteria. Yeah, which is li- literally goes back to uh, hysterectomy. Yes, yes, it comes from a, it's Latin is the root for uterus. So yep. it's, a, it's a hysteria is a women specific disease that was created uh, as a way to explain. Basically, that women were super horny, uh, which is when you think about it that way, is really, really, really insulting yeah. uh, to women. It's, which you know, unfortunately, people still use the word. But no also, one knows yeah, wasted from. opportunity for those doctors there. Like, doctor, pull your head out of your ass. Like, what, what's going on here? These these women need to need something else. I think that's the that's the the weakest part of the episode to me. Is like, I don't even know if it's a bad portrayal. Um, I don't mind this group, but th- their their mannerisms are slightly distracting, I think. Like, mm. I, I don't even know if I think that it's bad enough where I'd want to fix it, but they're sort of, uh, they're sort of goofy in a way that I don't know if it serves the material. Although I think that the episode does a good job of bouncing back and forth between the lighthearted and the serious. So I don't know if I mm. would have wanted them to all be dour and Jack to be like a vicious killer type character and if that would have worked. But it, it feels a little bit dated when the concepts are so strong and feel so modern. To see them portrayed this way feels very old. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely... Uh, uh, 
I don't know what the word for it is, but uh, it, 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 they're, they're letting them act. Let's put it that way. You know? Yeah. Um, and one I think, big yeah, room. you could, one big room. What's that? They're in like one, they're in the cargo bay too. It's just, it's a very theatery set for them too, yeah, where they're all yeah. just walking around and there's open space. Yeah. I would, I would actually like to see the script for this to see how each of those characters is written uh, and whether or not, how much of the performances is, is it, uh, is co- comes from the actor and how much of it is on the page. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they are, they are all different, but they are all clearly making choices about how they're doing this. Um, yeah, I would, the, I would the, assume, the, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say the woman is, I, you know, we were joking about it, but she is the most interesting to me. Cause I, it's like, she doesn't have any clear issue other than that. She's like, she thinks she's like, uh, Kathleen Turner from <laughs> body heat or something, <laughs> uh, which in and of itself doesn't feel like enough to put you in a, an insane asylum. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I would be curious to to see how much is the actor and how much is the, is on the page. Also, maybe her maybe her problem is her legs are really weak because she spends ninety percent of the episode just like l- splayed out on a bed. <laughs> I'd like to see the uh, you know the deleted scenes are probably her like spread eagle just talk with like Bashir's head like in the middle of the frame and stuff like that. And they're like, hey, can you rein this in a little bit? This is this is over the top, you know. But there are, uh, my wife is a nurse, and there are, uh, like, psychological disorders that cause heightened sexuality and things like Mm. that. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, patients will come in, and they'll have some sort of um, mental disorder, and it just results in them being extremely sexual with, like, the Hmm. the caretakers and things like that. It's it's sad, but you could see how it would... It's such a strong drive of humanity. You could see how sort of like if your brain was a little bit off, it could be something that was heightened in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if you can hear this. I but hear your vibrator a, going off. In the back. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. Keep talking, Wes. <laughs> Tell me more about mental and mental instability. Um, let's see here. Statistical problem. The, uh, the other the other aspect of this besides the stuff that I really uh, liked. Well, I like all of it, but I think that the. Um, the intercutting of the Dominion storyline feels to me very much like in the cards, where it's kind of a backgrounded idea. You did not like in the cards very much. Would you say that you preferred the way that they worked the Dominion and the Cardassians into this episode? Well, let's for everyone who doesn't remember, let's briefly remind us all what in the cards was about. Oh, sure. In the cards is the one where Jake is trying to get the baseball card and the Dominion oh, are in the right. background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I like this one a lot more than that. Yeah. Um yeah. Because, well, ultimately the thing that they're doing is is more interesting and seems to have more of a bearing on stuff. Uh, and yeah, I, um, I, you know, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they are kind of used in sort of a weird way because they're like the the Wayun and uh, Chet. There, I don't remember what the guy's name Demar. is. Damar. Gul Dumar. Gul Dumar. Um. They are sort of, they, they don't really do much. They're only in a couple scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. And only I one is basically where, there's one that's very interesting, which is that Wayun and Damar are talking to each other, and Wayun is trying to remind Damar of his place and telling him, yeah, like, just fit yeah. to roll. I think that scene's really yeah. great. The yeah, other scene too. is basically where they're just at the end waiting for the guys to show up and notice, like, they're not coming. It, it, it's, yeah. it, that one's not really, it doesn't amount <laughs> to anything other than ending the story, but I really like the way that they... They say a lot with the Wayun chewing out Damar scene at the very start, I think. Yes. 
Yeah, that one I liked a lot. Um, I liked that, and I also really I liked the we uh, that weird press conference he was giving uh, <laughs> that just begins. <laughs> And he talks very defensively about stuff, and then it just ends like mid sentence. <laughs> it's kind of a um, a delayed cut. Like he knew it was over, but he kind of looks at the camera and is like, "We still rolling?" And then they, they cut right after that. But yeah, it's very um, you know traditional authoritarian speech. The blood, uh, the brothers, our children. We're yep, fighting yep. for that. Uh, they they do a good job. I think you. And I think it's intentional because I think that actor who plays Demar is very good, but you can see that he's clearly not the leader that Ducat Mm. was. Like he's a different kind of, he doesn't have the heart and soul of Cardassian in a way that Ducat seemed to represent. He feels much more like a bureaucrat who's saying things. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't look nervous, but he does look less than confident. Right. Uh, which I, which was nice, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I would say I would say the use of the Dominion and the Cardassians is much better in this than in the cards because it, it it plays a, mo- a more central role, um, and it's a more interesting aspect to the story. Uh, and yeah, that scene that scene with um, Eldebarge and Wei Yun was was really good. And uh, the final one is whatever. I, I the final scene is 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 saved by the way that Combs continues to play his interactions with Odo, which is just fantastic. (laughs) He's still very reverent and uh, deferent to him, but he's, he's clearly, he's worried about what Odo knows in that moment there. So it's, he plays it very, very smartly. I think the the one thing I couldn't figure out is why were they on the station? Had they snuck onto the station? No, they had come to, uh, Cisco was told that he was meeting with them in the morning because they're oh, coming out to right, talk right, about right, the right, truce. Right. Yes, I yep. forgot. Yeah, they have that because they do the hologram, yep. holographic projection thing that they're, wa- yeah. I that remember. was my yeah. question. Was that hologram a recording of what happened? It must have been, yeah. right? Yeah, because okay. before they before that scene, remember they said uh, uh, Bashir asked for the transcript. Oh. And then Dax is like, I'll do you one better. They're recording the entire thing. Okay. I watched yeah. it thinking it was a hologram program where they were trying to analyze what might happen, and they seemed to react to it as if it was like a sure thing, which I thought was strange. It makes much more sense if it's a recording. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I also thought it was interesting um, that they even uh, they even supersede the abilities of the universal translator by, you know, uh, Wei Yun says whatever in English, and then he says, play it back, but play it in the original, you know, uh, in his original language. And he, they, they do that, and then Jack dis, uh, determines based on the, like uh, passive verb use. Yeah, the passive verb usage. What the the intent of it is, mm-hmm. which is something that doesn't come across if you listen to it in English. And even that that was pretty interesting. I thought that was that was uh, that was cool, if only because you get to see that the universal translator is operating like omnisciently yeah. from the pos- position of, uh, of the viewer essentially. Yeah. It's, it's um, a very, um, I think it's a really cool moment just because it shows that it shows the limitations of that technology in a way that they haven't done before, but also in a way that really makes sense where context is different in different languages and how you yes, say yeah. things would like matter. And maybe the, you know, the, the program that does the translating isn't intelligent enough to pick up on it. But I even like the way that the, um, the Dominionese, they call it, uh, sounds in the episode. Combs said that was the hardest thing to do in the episode is to say something in a fake language but make it sound like you're actually saying something. Um, do you know, is it something he made up or is it something they fed to it him? It was written. It was written oh, and was. he memorized it and then he tried to map it onto what his original English thing was. So he would say the same thing. He would use the same cadence oh. to say both sentences. 
Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that moment. It's a nice little, it's always nice when you see something, some techno- technological quirk that we've seen in like 500 episodes to this point, but there's a new spin on it that you hadn't yeah, thought about before. Yeah. It's neat when they do that. Uh, let's see. Anything else you want to say about statistical probabilities? Should we just, uh, should we just wrap this one up? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, that that's about it. I I guess we can, I have one last note here. We can talk about genetic uh, engineering. You talked about the scene where they're talking, uh, the Starfleet crew and everything. I thought that they, one of the reasons I think that the episode's kind of ahead of its time is because I think that the drive to keep up is like that would be the main reason why genetic engineering would not be allowable, I think. You know, especially in like a modern context where if China was the first one to develop some kind of technology like this, like how could the US not do it at that point yeah, if the yeah. Chinese start spitting out like super soldier uh, intellect people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the reason apparently that Starfleet has outlawed this technology. Um, I just thought it was really. It was an impressive understanding, I think, of what the future, you know, 30 years down the line that the concern was going to be. Yeah. And it's, I think luckily for the most part, well, I mean, maybe not in secret government facilities or whatever, but uh, as far as we know, anyway, it seems like these concerns are known among the scientific community where it's like, yeah, we can do this but we probably shouldn't. It was like the, it's like the first time in history where they've, they're on the precipice of a, of a massive change. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we need to reconsider. Maybe we don't, maybe mm-hmm. we don't do this. Yeah. You know, like they, they've been able to clone stuff for 25, 30 years now. Yep. Like when was the, sh- when did they do the sheep? That was like 30 years ago. Yeah. It was probably right? the mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you don't have any cloned people out there or do we, mm. um, because it's one of those things where they're like, okay, maybe, maybe we sit on this for a while until we, at least until we figure out all the ins and outs of what the, what the possible ramifications are. And we don't end up with just like, you know, barns in Idaho filled with mistakes. Yeah. Is it, um, I would assume they would be able to clone a human. I would think that technology would be possible at this point. I don't, I don't know if there's like some kind of problem in the machinery that they can't figure out at this point, but they did the, uh, China was in the news recently because they did genetic engineering on those twin girls who were born, and apparently they either cured them of AIDS or made them resistant to HIV. Really? Yeah. Wow. And But everyone's up in arms about it because it's unethical at this point uh, because the science is unsure. It's basically like doing a non-FDA-approved study yeah. uh, in China. But, um, you know, we're, we're knocking on the door of this kind of stuff happening. Yeah, and I think I think we might have talked about this in in the actual Bashir episode, but I mean that's where stuff gets kind of gray, right? Because like, it's almost it, logically it's an extrapolation of like the concept of a vaccine if you're using it that way, where yes. it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we could get rid of this if we wanted to. If the girls suffer no other ill side effects, it was the right thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to believe that it was. Yep. Um. But yeah, I guess it's all intent and and what the actual uh, uh, change does to a person. But I mean, then there is also the other side where it's okay, yeah. But you know, we got rid of that disease. But well, what if we get rid of bad eyesight? Or you know, what if we get rid of X? You know, it just one of those things where it's like when you try to extrapolate it out, it's it it gets 
sticky very quickly, you know? Yeah, the only downside to the um, the Asian female twins thing is apparently now all they do is lay around on a sofa in the middle of a cargo <laughs> bay and open mouth kiss people who come into their uh, vicinity. So outside of that, it's a win. Let's see. Yeah. I think we're done. Yeah. Let's uh, take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Then we're going to come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about statistical probabilities. I don't accept it. Your entire argument is based on a series of statistical probabilities and assumptions. They're not just assumptions. If you want me to take you through the equations, I will. Even if I knew with 100% certainty what was going to happen, I wouldn't ask an entire generation of people to voluntarily give up their freedom. Not even to save over 900 billion lives. Surrender is not an option. Now, I'm happy to hear your group's advice on how to win this war, but I don't need your advice on how to lose it. We can't win this war. I don't care if the odds are against us. If we're going to lose, then we're going to go down fighting, so that when our descendants someday rise up against the Dominion, they'll know what they're made of. All right, guys. So if you support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get new stuff, new podcasts, all that good stuff. It's a great way to support the show. It's much appreciated. It's patreon.com slash the Penske file. And a shout-out goes to our $10 Captain Tier supporters, Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David K., Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you very much. And as always, if you support the show on Patreon, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the podcast and react to them. So... Statistical probabilities from the Patreon crew. Captain Quark. I like Bashir's affinity towards helping his fellow genetically enhanced humans. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't share his patience. I know that these guest characters are supposed to be annoying, but I feel that the showrunners went overboard. Also, I can accept the patience coming up with the idea for the Federation to surrender to the Dominion, but I don't buy that Bashir would go along with it. The only reason to watch this episode is that it serves as a lead-in to better episodes in Season 7. Next one is huh. Zamnuka. It's a surprisingly reductive way, uh, view of it. Zamnuka, you're going to find this is a common theme amongst these comments, huh. actually, Clay. Uh, not to spoil What's, anything. Uh, how do you ban people on Discord? <laughs> <laughs> Click their little picture. Hit the little ban button. Uh, Zam Nuclear Wessel says, I wonder if having a universal translator is like being at a UN meeting with a simultaneous translation in your ear, but the original is still audible. That would explain various things, like Jack with the dump, Dominionese, or the way the Ferengi say human, as if it's a homonym for some undignified word. The way U.S. teens are about tie names, the way U.S. teens are about tie names like fuck it or fat prick. <laughs> Is fat prick an actual name in Thai? Uh, also, what? add Jack to the hold list. Hold on, of- hold on, hold on. <laughs> What is he talking about? Am I have I missed a uh, have I missed an entire wave of young Americans being uh, <laughs> co-opting names from other cultures to use slurs? I'll read it again. I, I understand uh, the way Frankie say human. It's as if it's a hominin for some undignified dignified word. This way, U.S. teens are about tie names like fuck it or fat prick. I think he just means like teenage boys making jokes about those names. Um, that's what I. Although I think uh, there are... So they're real names? It's not like in Wayne's World when they're ordering Chinese food and he says, I'll have the cream of some young guy. <laughs> Remember the... Um, there was that plane that like crashed in San Francisco. It was like an Asian Airlines thing, but someone put in joke names that got read on the news like as a serious news. So Oh, I remember th- that. There was like yeah. a plane crash and like the tail hit and they're like, the, the, the reporting is like, 
And now we're getting the names of the captains and crew of the flight. It was Captain We Too Low. <laughs> it was just like such a, and they were reading this as just uh, straight names. Oh but my it's, God, that, re- that actually happened? <laughs> oh my a, God. I'll put a link to it. It's, um, yeah, the, the, all I remember is the We Too Low, but there were like four oh different boy. names that were puns on airline crashes. No one died, so it's, it's, it's okay to joke about. <laughs> it's um, okay to be racist because nobody died. <laughs> Uh, homonyms like Thai names like Phuket or Fat Prick. I, I, I wonder if that's actually a real thing. Uh, also, add Jack to the list of characters who would have been Jeff better, who would have been Jeffrey Combs if Jeffrey Combs wasn't already in the episode. Interesting. Yeah. Combs Combs would have been a good addition. If, if Wei Yoon wasn't in that episode, they should have called him up to play one of those characters. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. That's a good idea. Stephen Cobb says, fun episode, but it exemplifies how irritating Star Trek's focus on life-saving i.e. let me save his, her, its life, and we must do whatever saves the most lives. That contrasts with how many people will die in Star Trek. People are constantly killed, and not just in the Dominion War. People are constantly getting killed. So many that it's a trope of not being a redshirt. And alien lives don't matter, judging by the Klingon body count across all the series and the Jem'Hadar and DS9. That's true. Although, yeah, I, I still think I mean, their argument is grounded logically, I guess, would be my yeah, counter to that. I think, unfortunately, with, with stuff like this, there's you kind of have to the uh the point that they're trying to make has to exist outside of the history of violence of of the show mm-hmm. or whatever because it's like you know it's like in in avengers infinity war when they're they refuse to give up the vision but they're more than happy to kill half of the wakandan army i, I mean you i know, think fighting it, thanos it works in real life too if i were about to murder yeah. somebody they and they were and I was just to say, hey, listen, a lot of people have died in the past. You should just accept the fact that I'm going to kill you right now. Uh, it wouldn't seem to jive with them, I True. wouldn't think. Yeah. Uh, statistical probabilities, Matt Ross. The odds of me watching this is less than ten percent. I loathe the mutant eugenic characters. They are annoying and add nothing but my hatred of this plot point about Bashir. The fact that suddenly they become savants at strategy is just not good or interesting. The characters look like an acting exercise gone wrong. Why bring them to the forward area? Why bring them to a forward area for study? Why is Bashir so suddenly swayed? Why does this episode exist? Well, there's a 100% chance they return, only because I've seen the series before. But from here, we just need to power through the big event pause episodes. B-A-N-N-E-D, band. Band, band hammer, coming from Clay. Kyle Barrett says, I like some of the ideas and story beats of this episode, I really do, but the enhanced characters make the episode feel too awkward. It flirts with some interesting stuff, but the characters are too broad, especially the Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys guy. Just when you think it's getting good and serving the characters correctly, it goes all one flew over the cuckoo's nest with the classical music. As someone on the autistic spectrum, which is clearly a disorder some of the characteristics we've seen here emanate from, albeit with a sci-fi twist, I do quite admire the writers for trying something like this. I don't think it's a complete failure. In fact, the part about society's outcasts being able to help society in unique ways was given the correct role struck home, but I can't help but feel uncomfortable with a fair amount of the episode. Um... The re- yeah, I suppose the reason I don't I don't have a problem with it is because I don't I almost don't view I see the characters more as a like they're less it's not to say that they're not characters but they're, they're more like they are a an interesting idea to me and the, the portrayal mm-hmm. is definitely a dated thing but I think that their existence as like an idea of how Starfleet would handle something like this I think works pretty well. Uh, so that would be the reason that I don't really uh, sort of have a problem with the portrayal because I don't I don't think about it in that way when I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, statistical probabilities from Nick Sergi says, one of my little favorites, the fuzzy line between comedy and drama is my favorite line to dance around when I write. So I really got the tone of this one. Add to that, add to that a nod to Asimov's psycho history. The further into the future you go, the more accurate the projection. And you have a real winner in my book. I love how the team of Augments has a fresh perspective on the war. And finally, Ted from Marketing says, I really liked the first 30 minutes of the episode. The rest was okay, but I thought that they went in a different direction than what seemed natural. They built up the idea that these people were societal castoffs, not able to contribute to the larger population. Then instead of them getting some redemption, they moved them towards an almost religious devotion to statistical analysis. They also didn't bother to explain why the Federation would eventually lose the war, just that they would, which makes the audience unable to identify with theirs and Dr. Bashir's viewpoint. It's a good thing that they had a couch in the middle of that room or the woman would have had to slither across the floor. It was kind of an odd prop, which only existed so that she could seductively lay on it, I guess. Thank you, Yeah, I, th- I think he, uh, he's kind of hitting on something that was sort of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like that what they're actually saying is, is, is an incomprehensible prediction. But, yes. you know, the, it's, it's difficult to say you're going to lose the war uh, and 900 million people are going to die. Um, and then just have someone go, okay, sure. You know, it's so, yeah, I, I think, I think that is a, I don't know if I'd call it a weakness of the episode. Cause it's like, you know, you only got so much time, but. Well, I mean, uh, the, the counter would be, say they had like, if they were like the problem, we're going to lose this war because this planet is unprepared for the war. You know, you could easily fix that. I, I think, right. I think you're supposed to get the sense that all of this analysis is so complicated that it's like yes. everything is piling yeah. up on them and there's no yeah. one clear cut solution to it. Yeah, there's no, it's not, it, they don't lose the war because someone forgot to close the pod bay door right. or something, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not one action or, uh, I mean, cause they talk about at the beginning of the episode, how the dominion is thinking years and even centuries ahead with the movements that they're making. Right. Um, and in that case, they, they can dial, uh, you know, zero in on one thing that they can, they can do or not do that will, 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 uh, um, stop them. Uh, momentarily anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just the, the, the amount of computation hap, uh, and the amount of stuff going into it and elements are over the course of, you know, how many dozens of years or whatever is, it's just, it's difficult to, to boil it down to, uh, tomorrow, make sure you have oatmeal for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Stop the JFK assassination or something like yeah. that. Um, thank you patrons very much for your thoughts. Uh, it was quite, quite a divided, line between us and the patrons i think i'm going to give this one a five clay on our scale one mm. to five because i really like it i think it's really strong i think it's really interesting i personally feel that our conversation here was the most uh far-reaching out of a lot of the recent episodes in a way and like i can't help but think that that just comes from a good episode and yeah you know depending on how you view the portrayal of the characters and stuff like that i can see maybe having some problems with it but i i just don't i don't watch the episode with that in my mind it never really strikes me that way and mm-hmm. the portrayal might be a little bit dated i suppose but i think that the ideas are just so strong that i have to give it a five yeah i think the performance stuff I, i'm i was on the fence between four and five um oh i think i'm gonna go four Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to take a couple points away from the, per- because of the performance stuff. Cause while you, yeah, I think it, it's ultimately not as important as other stuff. It's still part of the episode. Um, and for me, it's, it's the, the datedness of the performances 
that's the thing. They they are dated. I mean, they're not if they're not bad, and it's not you know being like willfully ignorant and say I don't think that they are. No, I, um, I don't get that sense. I, I, they the show likes the characters. You know, like it. It's not a. Yeah, I I just I view it more as cliche than anything. Yeah, Maybe yes, like an un- yeah. it doesn't intend to be a mean-hearted cliche. It just comes across as across as kind of a tired idea, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's it's a tough one though cuz I do really like it. I thought it was really really good. Um Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with a 4. Sounds good. That's fine with me. It's a, a it's a solid little episode, I think, either way around it. I so. will say also, if it was a prisoner episode, then I think it would be um, number six is given the abilities of these people mm. and starts extrapolating out the events, world events, you know, yeah. kind of that kind of thing. Right. And uh, he, he starts getting um, obsessed with being able to see, figure out things happening, you know, we well, now I can do this, and that means that we can do this, and we can stop this and stop this. And, of course, the the village is trying to use that to get, uh, you know, the one piece of information that they <laughs> that want they, out they, of him. They're gonna they go. have this technology, but that's the one bit that they yeah, can't talk take. about. Talk about the, the village. The village should only serve ham sandwiches, and you should have to go a very long way in order to get one. <laughs> but All then the ultimately, ultimately, uh, ultimately, number six destroys the machine. Because <laughs> that's the one thing that they didn't count on happening. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Patrons, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for leaving your thoughts. It's statistical probabilities. I'm going to give it a five. Clay gives it a four. If you enjoyed the content, patreon.com slash the Penske Pal. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, podcasts, blah, blah, blah. We just got done talking about Game of Thrones. We gave our final wrap-up thoughts about Game of Thrones, so you can check that out there. All the social media links are down below. You can check out the website. You can check out all that stuff. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, Again, going to keep saying it because you're going to be sick of hearing it i got a kickstarter happening and we are in july now so probably at the end of the month it's going to be going on uh for my graphic novel bloody hell um i just hit a wrinkle though because i was gonna i'll, I'll say it here because i can't end, actually end up doing it uh for one of the re- re- uh, rewards i was going to give away a um a battle axe a real battle axe that i do a sketch on the blade of mm-hmm. and i have the axe it's in my house and i was very excited can you not and mail then it? I, 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 no, I, I looked in the, th- it's under the things, the prohibited items list on ki- Kickstarter are weapons, replicas of weapons or weapon accessories. <laughs> Probably should have looked that up before I bought an ax, but Hey, now I have an ax and you know, it'll, uh, it'll be available outside of the Kickstarter. If it's, if anybody's interested in it, cause it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now it's just, a, now it's an extremely heavy duty paper cutter that you've got going in the office. Yeah. 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 Well, it look good on my wall, I guess. Well, there's some things, yeah. We can't uh, we can't do raffles and stuff on Patreon, and we can't ship weapons of uh, murder on Kickstarter either. It seems. Can you can you can you give away axes on Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to donate five hundred dollars to our Patreon, I'll give you an axe <laughs> with a drawing on it. <laughs> do that, guys. Thank you very much. Check out the axe. Check out Clay's Kickstarter when it launches. Check out the website for all the podcasts that you've missed because we're only limited to 300 podcasts now on the feed, and we're well over that. So if you're looking for early TNG episodes, you have to go to the website, which is the thepenskypodcast.com. Oh, it's just, a, it's just a limit thing? It's not even the cool thing where, like, if you want the early ones, you got to pay for them. No, I, I wish I had the balls to do that. Unfortunately, I don't think people would, uh, would care for it. It's just a technological limit. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.